Good evening, and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your host, Casper. I'm your other host, Becky Grimlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays, because... Wednesdays are for podcasts. Now, before we get into our episode tonight, which it will be a heavy one, so we will be trying to keep things kind of light throughout the episode. Just an FYI, you guys know how we do our true crime. Anyway, a word from our sponsor. Calm your buddy down. I guess I was in my inner Jonas brother this evening. <laughs> um, all right, guys. So we are pretty much one month and a day away from the workshop uh, here in Cincinnati. So if you do happen to be in the area, please stop by and visit the booth tent. Um, one thing that will be available that's now available on the Etsy shop because there are the new Sage Mint bath bombs is now there is a four for 25 pack. So um, you get a really great deal. They're seven bucks a piece. So that's a pretty good savings if you just wanted to, you know, bundle pack or get some for yourself or other people. So um, that's all available on Etsy for right now. But again, um, it's a month and a day away in July from the workshop. Uh, if you happen to be in the Cincinnati area, please visit their Instagram um, so you can find more details about those markets. And uh, everything else is on Instagram and Etsy. Calm your body down. Bing. I actually, since I got an extra check this month, I need to uh, I need to hit you up for those oh, those sage mint ones. They're pretty nice. I need to hit you up They're for pretty nice. I think I might do the floor for twenty five and get two sage mint and two chamomile lavender. I'm glad my uh, husband was my scent tester because sometimes I feel like I'm immune to peppermint and he's like yeah not too much because <laughs> peppermint can peppermint is very overwhelming it can it can yeah. be it can... but honestly <clears throat> so can sage yeah so but the sage is slight because mm -hmm. it's real sage so it's mm. more of the peppermint that's gonna hit you so you don't want too much <laughs> it's like too much of a good girl thing. you want me over it's like too much of a good thing with real sage Okay, so tonight, you guys, we are going to be talking about the infamous case of the West Memphis Three. I have to be honest with you, I knew about the case, but I didn't know the in-depth of the case until this past week, uh, doing research for the podcast. Um, Becky is the one who knows most about it. Uh, she's the one who knew the ins and outs before we even announced the podcast last week. Uh, but holy shit. <laughs> Hol holy shit is probably the best... You, you know how you watch a TV or you watch a movie and it's got a tagline? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. My God. Is the, <laughs> is the tagline is the, of this. Is the tagline. West Memphis 3. Is the tagline. Holy shit. Basically. Yeah. What the fuck? I mean, and it's still, it's still to this day, you know, people that, who may or may not have been familiar with the case um having any idea about it now i found out about it in 2011 when the third so to kind of back up uh there were three what really brought it more to national attention is there were a series of originally three uh documentaries that were released by hbo called paradise lost the first one was paradise lost the child murders at robin hood hills the second one was paradise lost that one was released in 1996 the second one was released in 2000 paradise lost Re revelations and the last one was in 2011 paradise lost 
three purgatory and that was the one that i came across and this was shortly before and obviously we'll get into all of this when um the original the west memphis three as they're referred to now were ultimately released from prison um so uh what really brought it to the forefront was when the 96 documentary came out who um just to give some people background uh joe berlinger and bruce sanofsky were involved with directing producing editing they basically were behind the entire thing uh joe berlinger you guys have heard us refer to him before he's directed the um ted bundy tapes he directed the Ted Bundy movie that Zac Efron was in. He's most recently worked on the uh, the Night Stalker, the Richard Ramirez one, and the uh, John Wayne Gacy one that was just recently released as well. Um, Bruce Sanofsky unfortunately passed away in 2015, um, but they, I, I am a firm believer that if it wasn't for those two, this this case would have been lost. Just because the state of Arkansas wanted to push this under the rug and didn't want anybody to know about it. And it gained worldwide. Uh, in the first one, Metallica, you know, we know about anybody that's ancient like me knows all about Napster and Metallica, You people using their music and shit. So Metallica famously, because the kids specifically Damien Eccles, one of the ones that was involved, was a fan. Um, Metallica lent their music for the first documentary in 96. So that garnered a lot of attention. And then as the other ones subsequently re were released, a lot of other celebrities. So really the celebrity status that it garnered. Metallica, uh, later on Henry Rollins, Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam, um, Natalie Maines, they're known as the Chicks now, but originally the Dixie Chicks, uh, Johnny Depp, um, the list goes on and on and on and on. I mean, Johnny Depp and Damien Eccles have matching tattoos. Like they're the, 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 the people that really came forward to make sure that this came to the forefront and that people were not going to let three people rot in prison and let three little boys' names die in vain to not find out who really brutally murder them so um we're not gonna draw this out uh i talked to my husband earlier and i said i want to do justice to this because this means so much to me i uh i had a i have a free the west memphis 3 t-shirt i donate you know i gave money i had a bumper sticker till it just disintegrated um because i wanted people to know about this people would stop me and ask about this because at the time they were still in prison this you know people it was gaining traction but a lot of other people didn't know. And then um, the West of Memphis in 2012, the one that ultimately um, Peter Jackson got involved with and his wife, Fran Walsh, uh, got involved with once Lori Davis, who is Damon Eccles' wife, contacted them. That is the one that's free on Tubi if no one has access to uh, a premium subscription on Hulu, which has got awful expensive and ridiculous, or has an HBO Max subscription. Wait, but, premium um, subscription on Hulu? How much is that? It's like $70 a month. Excuse me? Which is me? basically cable. You basically have cable and then more movie. 
Hulu needs we're still y'all paying, need to slow your We're roll. still paying for cable right now, so I'd rather just keep cable. It doesn't even, and we have all the I don't even want services. to pay, I don't even it's, have cable, and I want to pay ridiculous. $70 yeah, a fucking month for Hulu. That's about as much as we pay all together with all the streaming services we have. It's close enough, but yeah, that's... No. No. Anyway, um, we don't want to beat a dead horse. These, this has been talked about at length there. Uh, we were also just talking about before, there's a really great movie, Devil's Not... That was based on Mara, Mara, I'm sorry, I do not mean to mispronounce her name, Mara Levitt, who is an Arkansas reporter, wrote this book back about the case originally, and uh, Reese Witherspoon is in it, Colin Firth, it's a really great movie, uh, you should watch, if you guys get a chance to watch all the documentaries, I highly recommend it, again, West of Memphis is free on Tubi, it pretty much wraps up just about everything you need to know about the case and everybody involved um but we do we don't want to draw this out but we do want to give it justice so we did find an amazing amazing article that we're going to utilize tonight and try to give as much information as we can but i just really did want to i wanted to specifically bring up those documentaries because they are if you really really want to get this this is one of the biggest miscarriages of justice that i have ever seen in my life and really at the heart of it why this means so much to me is these three little babies that were murdered uh i was the same age as these kids uh chris buyer that kid we would be the same our birthdays are 10 days apart i was eight years old in 1993 and then by the time i was the west memphis threes age like 17 18 I would have been considered an outcast. I listened to Tool and Meta like all the, you know, like people would have thought I was a Satan worshiper or whatever. I mean, just the, like it, the dichotomy of this whole case and what it meant to me on a personal level and really at the heart of it, that there are three babies, literal babies that were murdered brutally that to this day, because of politics and bullshit, we still don't know who murdered them. We have ideas, we have suspicions, there is a lot of evidence. Listen, there there was enough evidence that there's three people walking free right now as they should be because the state of Arkansas did not want to try this case again because they knew they would lose and they did not want to compensate. It's what all this boils down to. It's politics. They don't care about these families. They do not care that three little babies' murders will never be solved. Hopefully, hopefully it will. We do have some good news at the end, so don't give up hope. I would also <laughs> Hopefully, like there is also, just to let people know, there is a westmemphis3.org website that has been up and running for years. I highly urge... There's still a phone number out there. If there's any information that people have about what happened, any, you know, so many people have come forward over the years that's really brought, you know, people that juror misconduct, people that lied, so many other things, new evidence. Like if anybody, you know, this is still a very active case. So this, this isn't over. This isn't over. You know, we, we hopefully at some point, I don't want to give up hope that, uh, one day they that justice really is served you know that you really do that we fully know that a jury says you are you know this person so and so is guilty 
of you know so you know I would, until that I would day like comes to uh, point out that i was born in 93 i really that wasn't that long ago it really was that's that was not that long ago. ago 29 years ago yeah we'd all be the same uh, me and those boys we'd all be the same age right now so i think that's really what hit me the most you know they they were out riding their bikes oh my god that was my life mm -hmm. when i was that age my bike <laughs> summertime hit you couldn't tell me nothing i was on my bike i did enjoy riding my bike in the i've car. got the it, listen you knew you had a childhood if you got the scar on your knee because everybody <laughs> that wrecked on their bike when they what were about, a kid what about has those little, that scar on their knee. <laughs> what about those little tinky, tinky, tinky things for the wheels? You know what I'm talking about? When you would ride it and it'd go... And it was those little things you put on the wheels. I miss streamers. Stop. I streamers. Stop. <laughs> I didn't need a basket, but I fucking loved streamers. I did love the baskets, but see, I want a basket. After a, after a couple weeks, they just like were disintegrated like the streamers were just gone. I would like a basket on a bike now, and then I'd put my little guinea pig in it, and I would take him for rides, and he would love it. Stop it. <laughs> I'd have to make it high enough to where the little fucker wouldn't jump out. You but... guys have to dress like E.T. and Elliot for Halloween. Stop. And he'd be, like, popping his little head out the top with his little red hood. No! Or my little red hood, but... I can't. Oh, my God. I'd have to get him a little blanket wrapped around him. You're like, I will do it. I will fucking, he will hate me. He will, he already hates me. He will hate me more. Let me tell you something. Pet parents, your pets hate you when you do that. Just so you know. It brings us joy. He's like, I will be that pet parent one day. It will bring me so much. It brings so much. Although I don't think he actually hates me because I got no. home the other night and he got so excited that I was home that he literally jumped up and like turned on his side and was like freaking out squealing because he was so excited that i was home so he doesn't hate me he gets annoyed at times but he doesn't yeah hate no me. they will get annoyed but they don't hate you no but highly annoyed um <laughs> but highly annoyed. <laughs> anyway like we said we want to keep this light we have to we have to this is tough subject matter um we obviously also will not be just i'm also going to say this right now anyone that's never seen the documentaries they are graphic you are watching exactly what people saw in the court cases so you you know we're not going to go into like the you know real dirt like the graphic nature of what no. happened to the three of them but this is just a word of warning that anybody that hasn't seen, you know, if you've ever watched true crime documentaries like that, this is kind of basically what this is, even though it's over the span of years and it's for a documentary, there's going to be some graphic parts in this, you know, so you just got to, it's always something to keep in mind. Yes. If that's not something that you can, hand, listen, it was hard for me. <laughs> I did, I did not want to, I didn't want to watch that shit. I did not want to see that. And I did, you know, there were times I was just like, okay, like if I saw a picture, I was like, yep, nope. I don't need to, I don't need to look at that. Like, I'm good. Thank you. Don't need to see that. I'm good. Go my whole life without. <laughs> it's like when I used to watch True Blood and it was never like hot people they would show fully naked and you would just go, oh God, fat, floppy man. and everything. Oh, you mean like Game of Thrones? 
I was like, that is a penis. That I did not want to see. But it's never like like the stars. They're not showing like all their kibbles and bits. Well, they're not showing all their kibbles Daenerys and did on the first but, season. And then she straight up was like, I'm done with that. Like the women will, but like the men. Yeah, no, they won't. Yeah, no. The like the the top like actors, male actors on there, they're not showing Except their Except for Michael stuff. Fassbender in whatever but, movie um, that was for some reason. He full, showed on his full penis. Yep, I saw it. Never looked at Magneto the same again after that. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> I love, I had a flashback, guys. I can't think of the name of the movie, but if, listen, <laughs> if you know, you know, it's like one of them, like, straight up Michael Fassbender shows his dick in a film. And no, I don't know what the film is called. I can't remember, but it was quite nice. Anyway, um, <laughs> I I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Listen. I didn't enjoy it, but it was, I, listen, I get it. And I don't normally like them. I really don't. But... For someone like m- moi, every once in a while, you know. <laughs> You're like, if you have a nice game. Yeah, if it's a nice one, it's like, I'm going to give you credit. Because, frankly, they do look like God just went, you know. Uh. And. <laughs> <laughs> like it was the God last. God just went. Like it was the last thing and he was done and it was cocktail time. Okay. That's like, why. He, listen. That's why vaginas are look better. Because. <laughs> Adam was like sculpted, and God was like, and, "I'm gonna take my time I'm on gonna, this," and he just, no. you know, yeah, he sculpted, and Peen just, yeah. <laughs> he just went, <laughs> pin the Peen on the man, <laughs> blindly, <laughs> he's blindfolded with, <laughs> he's like, yeah, that looks pretty good. That looks, done. That's that's all right. We're done. Tea time. I'm off. <laughs> I am officially clocked out. I am done. And then Adam goes. I'm lonely and God's like, really? <laughs> Fine. This is going to take. Some now, the reason, see, I'm time. telling you why the reason that the vagina looks better is because God had his tea. He had his cocktail. He did. And he was like, you know, I'm going to spend some time on this bitch. He was relaxed. He's like, I'm going to make every single one of them look different too, but they'll all be the same in their own special way. In their own special, beautiful way. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I love exactly. that we're literally talking about hey. penises and sculpting vaginas right now. Oh my now. goodness. You know, hey. How did we get here? <laughs> Listen. Oh my God. That's just. Are we going into Twilight now? No, because you hit somebody. Sorry. Somebody that I follow on Instagram and love. I think it's Tima Likes Music. I think that's who she is. She's amazing. She's such a phenomenal musician, but she's really funny too. She said, uh, listen, like basically this was her whole video. It was like, listen, black people love Paramore. <laughs> and I almost fell off the couch because I was like, yeah. Did you and, see- then, and then like you go in the comments and oh, the comments were blown up. Did you see the black guy on TikTok that was like, like there will be a hard, there, there will be black people that like no other but you say pair like you could say anybody like any they're like I don't know you say pair misery business come like it's over like there was a black, black guy at a party when black the, folks we will lose our mind with that song coming on ain't it fun came on and he was acting oh like God. he didn't care at the party and then he went to the bathroom and he's like ain't it fun living in the world I was like that's a bop tell me tell me I'm wrong that's a fucking bop it's a great song. 
Anyway. Oh my god, we need a Paramore break. Anyway, um There's always time for a Paramore break. There is. The article we are using tonight, real quick, is the Encyclopedia of Arkansas.net. Um just kind of gives a general breakdown of the case and everything involved. It was very nicely, uh, thanks to Becky for finding this article because it was very nicely concise and it wasn't overly heavy on the on the um details. Yeah. So which was very nice, which is again what we wanted to do. We didn't want to be like cryptically identifying everything with a magnifying glass. Like we don't need to do that. Yeah. That's been done at length. So beating an absolute dead horse. So the Westminster Ain't it fun? A <laughs> <laughs> great start. The West Memphis Three are Damian Eccles, Jason Baldwin, and Jesse and Miss Kelly Jr., who as teenagers were convicted in 94 of triple murder in West Memphis, which was Crittenden County. Eccles, Baldwin, and Miss Kelly were accused of killing three eight-year-old boys, which were Chris Byers, Stevie Branch, and Michael Moore. Their trial, which included assertions that the killings were part of a cultic ritual, and subsequent convictions set off a firestorm around the nation and world, inspired books and movies, and led to a movement to be retry or free the three men, believed by many who have been who, believed by many to have been wrongly convicted. I apologize, guys. I cannot today. It's fine. <laughs> we all have our moments. It's the mm-hmm. middle of the week. Listen, I'm surprised I still have a brain. <laughs> After if I only had a brain, literally. So on May sixth. 1993, Byers, Branch, and Moore were found in a water-filled ditch in the woods of the Robin Hood Hills subdivision less than 24 hours after their parents had reported them missing. The boys were naked, beaten, and hogtied. Byers had been castrated. Despite the violence of the crime, there was little evidence at the scene of the crime. Police wondered, wondered at the peculiar lack of blood or fibers and also noted that the area looked as though it had been swept clean. The police were faced with a case that immediately gained national attention, but that yielded little information with which to find the person or people responsible. Which is exactly where it got political. Yeah. The state of the boys' bodies quickly inspired rumors that a satanic cult was responsible, of course, because, you know, 93 were still in satanic panic. Oh, big time. (laughs) The crime scene's location in the woods, the nudity, the positioning of the boys' bodies, and especially the castration caused concern about Satanism amongst the locals locals and amongst the police as well within days of the murders gary gitchell the chief inspector informed the public that the police were considering a number of possible explanations for the murders one of which was cult activity throughout the investigation the cult theory overshadowed more traditional theories such as the speculation that the murders were committed by someone who knew the boys which is really funny to me because like any time it seemed like during that time anything had a cult quote a quote unquote cult connected to it that was what everyone focused on instead of actually honing in on something that makes sense that's why you know i was so glad that becky got to watch the west of memphis one that i really just from those you mean two, casper or casper sorry i was like who i'm, I'm talking to myself <laughs> I was like, becky's apologies oh my god anyway I was literally i'm like, done who, too who? apparently because there's another one of me, or I'm speaking to myself in the third person. Anyway, I digress. I just heard, Lord. No. I'm really, 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 really glad Casper got to watch that one. Because 
um, when they started going into the new evidence, specifically where their bodies were were found, and you start to piece together, especially um, in that location, it was in water, it was in a muddy creek area, and that whole entire area, anybody that grew up in that part um, of the South knew that it was a breeding ground for snapping turtles, mainly alligator snapping turtles. And in that documentary specifically, when they showed and went, and listen, I've watched enough nature shows and survival. I, I know all too well what a bite what and what those, what those animals specifically go for. And as brutal as it is to imagine that a child would be castrated, uh, essentially that's just by nature, that's what the turtles went after first. Well, in the turtles kind of quote unquote defense, it would look like a worm to them. You know, and it's the soft, it's, it's one of the softest parts of the body. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, it's not gonna, if it's really wanting to eat, it's going to try to get at other parts of the body. You know, they even mentioned the scratches and the bite marks on their earlobes. Mm -hmm. Um, there were other scratches on them. You know, at one point in the trial, they tried to say it was from a serrated knife, that thing that was brought, which was insane when other, you know, uh, uh, what would you call it? Uh, they brought on uh, other criminal defense attorneys, other people, um, just other investigators that were looking at it and were just like, there's no, there's no way. Or criminal, uh, what do you call it? People that review crime scenes. I... I had the name, but now it's gone. Anyway, uh, like when they were looking over the case, like just just it's comparing, comparing insane, just I'm comparing, like, like this is this is what claw marks from a turtle would look like. This is what striation marks from a fucking knife would look like. These are not the same thing. And you're also having someone that's giving testimony in the original trial that was in no way, shape, or form an expert. That was the other thing. Yeah, there was just such a miscarriage. When they brought on an expert cultist, this guy that was supposedly an expert in satanic cults, this guy got his degree, shit you not, from a mail order catalog. He took no formal classes. He took, he was not trained in any way by the FBI, the CIA, no police division. Hey, did you know I was an FBI agent? Paid. Did you know that? A... <laughs> I became an FBI agent. Sent today. money to something in a mail order catalog, and that's how he got his degree. They brought this up. The defense for, um, I believe this was during Damien and, because they tried Damien and uh, Jason together, Eccles and Baldwin together, during their trial, their defense attorneys brought up, like, didn't you get your degree from, like, a mail order catalog? And, like, that just, yeah, well, we don't care. I also he's an expert um, I am an FBI agent I became and one I today. also got mine from uh, I just went online and paid I'm also and... A, a scholar I'm a theologian mm-hmm guys you guys didn't know you could do that just gotta go to www I'm a fucking idiot.com be a fucking <laughs> <laughs> get your mail order degrees here <laughs> so awful Oh my God. Um, so this is the this is a real driving force in the case right here. This is kind of when were you trying to be really funny because puts, his last name is Driver? I know. I'm sorry, I wasn't. But uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. This 
fucking guy. Um, Gary Driver was a juvenile probation officer at the time for Crittenden County who believed that there was a satanic cult in the area, did. even though there's, like, no evidence at all. Uh, <laughs> he was just like, yeah, guys, there is... This is West Memphis, Arkansas, is literally on the border of Arkansas and Tennessee. This is the Bible Belt, if there ever was the fucking Bible Belt, okay? So, if you... If your name was Danian and you dyed your hair black and half your head was shaved and you're walking around wearing Metallica shirts, you immediately are, you, you're a fucking Satan worshiper. There's just like nothing. Well, Damien, Damien is uh, the omen. That's right. Satan. That's Satan. Yeah. So he was, he was convicted before there was even a trial. So, so stupid. yeah, I mean, it just, it was, it was done before it was even started. So, so much of his belief in the satanic cult theory was the result of his dealings with Damien Eccles, who was actually the oldest in the group of all three, Jason and Jesse. Um, a teenager placed under his supervision until the age of 18 after having been arrested for burglary and sexual misconduct. And just to give a little bit more background for people who don't know about this case before they go, well, hey, if he's had this in his past... Um, Damien Eccles had a horrible childhood, <laughs> and I actually did read his book, um, Life After Death. Uh, it was a tough read. There were It took me quite a while to read it because there were several times I had to put it down because I got really emotional. Uh, he had an awful childhood, just awful. I mean, poverty to the umpteenth degree, uh, a childhood abuse, just drug, just everything. Um so, you know, he acted out as a teenager. Um, like most do. <laughs> so at the time that he was placed on probation, when he was 17, him and his 15-year-old girlfriend, by this time I think he had dropped out of school, um, him and his 15-year-old girlfriend uh, ran away from home, broke into an abandoned house, and were caught by the police in the abandoned house having sex. So... I don't know what their laws are down there, but for whatever reason, and I, this probably had more to do with the fact that her parents hated him. Uh, you're not allowed. He there was is charged with. You can't have sex in an abandoned house. He was charged with. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like the age thing is what oh, yeah. I don't understand. I, that, what I like, said was a joke. 15 to 17. Now, 15 and 21, you're gross. Um, <laughs> like you're a predator. Um, but like 15 yeah. and 17, I don't, that could be a, <coughs> that could be a junior and a senior. That could be a, I mean, 15 and 17, especially when you're a kid. No, it just sucks when you're 18 and they're 16. Right. You know, or even that... 18 and 17. And you're mm -hmm. like, what? Um, so I just wanted to preface where that charge came from. That it wasn't like a rape or anything like that. There were circumstances behind that behind that charge you know i mean i think it was only he's poor considered... he's he's a poor kid you know they he literally lived in a trailer park and so did i think so did jason baldwin and jesse miss kelly i mean these kids were listen for lack of a better word poor white trash 
And nobody honestly, cared like, about these kids. I feel like the sexual misconduct was just like you said. I feel like that was only marked that because of the parents. It, I it, really it had do. nothing I mean, to do. Oh with, yeah, I mean, her parents fucking. You know, any parents at that age. You know, your daughter's fifteen. He's terrible. We hate him. You know. I love well, especially, him. and I hate to say this, but especially with him looking like that. Mm-hmm. You know, those parents are like, yeah. you yeah. Satan worshiper. Oh yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, and he would, he would say things and try to get a right. You know, he, he even admitted later on, he's like, I was a, I was a shit starter. I was a little shit starter. I used to say things to get a rise out of people. Cause I thought adults were dumb. You know, if they, Is if wrong? they wanted to say, if they wanted to say that I worship Satan and I used to say I would drink blood and stuff like this and I never did anything like, like that. He, I'm, there, I'm telling you, things that he did were no different than a lot of stuff I did at that age and a lot of stuff that people I knew that did at that age, especially if you, you know, grew up and just, oh, no. you know, if you had a bad home life. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Bless you. Especially if you've been bad, had a bad home life like he did. So, um, the more that drive this this Jerry Driver guy, in my opinion, had it out for him. That's just how I feel about it. Fuck you, Jerry um, Driver. So he goes that the more that he interacted with Eccles, he became more convinced that he was involved in a satanic cult. Um, Eccles always denied that he had any connection with Satanism, but he did admit to believing in and practicing magic. Damien Eccles is still involved to that to this day. Uh, nothing evil in that. So, uh, nope. Um, Driver shared his suspicions with the West Memphis police. Of course he did. Jason Baldwin was friends with Eccles, both of them being social outcasts. Baldwin did well in school and did not join in Eccles' experimentation with magic. Despite their many differences, they spent a great deal of time together. The third and final suspect, Jesse Miss Kelly Jr., had little connection to either Eccles or Baldwin. However, he babysat for Vicki Hutchinson, Sorry, Hutchison, a woman who volunteered to help the police investigate. Hutchison began to ask Miss Kelly questions about the case, and he agreed to introduce her to Eccles, well known as a suspect, as by that point. Yeah, Vicki Hutchison actually knew Jerry Driver um, <coughs> as being a probation, excuse me, as being a probation officer in the area. You know, and like we said, he was part of the reason of using Vicki as a setup um, for Damien. So, because otherwise with them, you know, living in the same neighborhood and being in the same school, they, they really didn't know each other very well. So, um, Hutchison told police that she, this is what she told police, that she was persuaded by Eccles to take, to take her with him to a witch's gathering and that Miss Kelly went with them. And as a result, Miss Kelly was taken to the police station for questioning um, of which just over 30 minutes were recorded. So it was several hours. Because um, basically what the police, basically what Vicki Hutchison said, which was a total lie later, and she did say that she lied, um, was that she went to a uh, satanic ritual orgy uh, that had blood drinking and stuff like that, and that uh, Damien was the main per. Yeah, I mean, and it was all, it was all bullshit. And there were, plenty of witnesses that said they just kind of hung out and she left and that was it. So yeah, that was all a bunch of bullshit. Um, so meanwhile, over several hours, Miss Kelly was questioned. Um, it should also be 
mentioned that Jesse Miss Kelly uh, basically has the mental capacity of a child. Uh, he does have some developmental disabilities um, that are evident. He was questioned without a lawyer. He was questioned without his parents present. Um, and this was over hours. The I mean, he just kept asking, I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. And, <clears throat> you know, pretty much by the end of being coerced and bullied, uh, Miss Kelly confessed. He implicated himself, Eccles, and Baldwin in the murder of the three boys. Uh, his confession, however, was inconsistent with details of the crime, which the police were already aware of. While confessing, Miss Kelly at times contradicted his own story as well. In spite of the potential problems with Miss Kelly's confession, the police arrested him, Eccles, and Baldwin on June 3rd, 1993. When you're grasping at straws and have nothing left? Oh, I mean, literally, yeah, just... They convinced, uh, they convinced everyone that they had scissors for hands. Almost, they did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Almost immediately after confessing, Miss Kelly recanted. He stated that he had been confused by the behavior of the police and had attempted to cooperate without realizing the implications of his statements. However, the three boys remained in custody and both the prosecutor and the defense teams began preparing for trial. During the process of the gathering evidence, blood was found on a knife previously owned by John Mark Byers, Chris Byers' stepfather. Byers had given the knife away shortly after the murders. The blood was determined to be consistent with Chris Byers' blood as well with Mark Byers' blood. However, the police did not pursue this potential lead. Okay. Uh, the police also failed to pursue a potential lead called in by a local Bojangles restaurant. One of the employees witnessed a disoriented man covered in mud and blood enter the restaurant the night the boys went missing. The man used the restroom, leaving smears of blood he was covered in on the walls. Though the police took samples of the blood, they never pursued this lead and later lost the evidence. Well, you know what's really funny to me? Your killer was right there. Right there. Right fucking there. Covered in mud and blood. But no, you're not going to follow that lead because not a satanic <clears throat> poem. Yeah. Not no. good for press. Sorry. Yep. Nope. Not at all. Um, it also should be mentioned too. Um, I did just want to mention that unfortunately John Mark Byers in 2020 did uh, pass away. Um, unfortunately, he was in a car crash. And uh, he passed away from his injuries. That broke my heart <laughs> because, um, you know, this case was, this case about broke him. This man had a tough life himself. He had had prior convictions and drug problems and lost his son and um, was torn apart, believed they did it, uh, was vilified himself. There were even times in the early documentaries where they wanted to make you believe that he did it. Um, he was, you know, he was a redneck. He was angry. You'd see him out shooting his gun and, you know, this is a man that lost his child. I just, you know, I don't even, I just wouldn't even want to know. Wouldn't even want to fathom that. You would lose your mind. I don't know. I just don't know how a saint, how are you they're, they're, your part of your mind is going to be gone. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just going to go without saying if you go through something like that. Um, but, you know, the beautiful thing is at the end, uh, once all of the evidence came about, he um, 
was able to put aside and have a, uh, you know, kind of a, I, I don't really know what you would call it. Like he, he had like a moment of forgiveness with Damian, Jesse and Jason and ultimately did not believe. Uh, so same thing with Pamela Hobbs, uh, Stevie Branch's mother, um, did not believe that they, now, unfortunately the Moors, um, they still do believe that they were guilty. Listen, I can't blame anybody that would go through something like that. I, I don't, I, I just, I'm not a parent. I don't even want to speak on that when it comes to something like that. So, you know, I don't want to, I, I, damn you if you say anything against those people because you don't have a fucking, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm, it breaks my heart that they still think that they're guilty. It breaks my heart that they wouldn't be willing to look at new evidence, but nobody damn you if you would say anything about those people's feelings after the brutality that they had to go through nobody should have to bury a eight-year-old baby if anything That's i kind of look at even... it this way i look at it as god those poor people they feel like that's their only means of justice because you, you gotta look at it even though they're not guilty that's all they have yeah. It's either they're guilty or they have no yeah. idea who did it. And I could never speak on a parent losing a child either. So I can't judge them. But that's the way I see it from their point of view. Where yeah, they're like, never... either we blame these people or we have no idea who did it. And we are basically, there's a hole. There's just a hole there that they can't face. And I'd say that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. You know, you um, hope someday it actually does, you know, they they do figure out who did it. But as of right now, it, it is either those three guys or no one right now. And that's, that's, that's how they see it. Well, uh, also, uh, Melissa Byers passed away as well. So, yeah. Um, both of Chris Byers' parents. But yeah, I mean, I, the Moore's parents, I just couldn't even, you're absolutely right. When you go through something like that, if you feel like that's all you have to hold on to, you know, I, I wouldn't judge anybody. Would not at all. Wouldn't judge them at all. It just, if anything, it makes me more sad, really, is what it does. It just really, really, really makes me even, even sadder about the whole thing. Um, because Miss Kelly had confessed to the police, his trial was severed from Baldwin and Eccles' trial. Prosecutor John Fogelman wanted Miss Kelly to be able to testify against Baldwin and Eccles, but Miss Kelly refused to repeat the statements that he had previously given and recanted. God bless him for that. Miss Kelly's trial began on January 26, 1994, and Baldwin and Eccles were tried a month later, beginning on February 28th. Both trials drew much media attention, and there were significant legal complications as Judge David Burnett, Prosecutor Fogelman, and each defendant's defense each defendant's defense team determined what evidence could be submitted before the jury. Evidence the jury was allowed to hear included testimony from a cult expert. This is the one that... Is this mail order cult? Yeah, this is mail order cult expert. Mm -hmm. Fucking idiot. Who indicated that the <laughs> defendant's music collections... Their music and their clothing were key indicators of their satanic cult activity. Wait a minute. Now, let me tell you right now Wait that I was in a satanic cult when I was in high school, too. Same. So Just what you're telling record. me is that he I still am an expert. Still am, according to my neighbors. He was a religious <laughs> fanatic. Yeah. Is what you're telling me. I mean, might as well have been. 
Okay. Again, Bible Belt, Arkansas, guys. So. Because you can't <laughs> sit here and tell me that religious people aren't like, well, look at them. They worship the devil. Yeah. If you listen so to I. ACDC, that's devil worship. So do I, apparently. Well, highway so. to fucking hell, well, Karen. Well, then I'm... Yeah. Highway to fucking hell, Karen. Then I'm a Satan worshiper, I guess. Um, <laughs> the other evidence presented to the Which is really actually very so funny, because you don't even believe this. I mean... It's like... Here's the funny part about that. What? <laughs> if you were ever convicted, not of a crime, but if, if someone ever was like, you worship the devil, you would be like, oh yeah? I don't even fucking believe in the devil. I don't so, even, like, whatever you think that is, I don't believe in that. What? <laughs> and then they're going to be like, and you're like, thanks, have a Boom, great day. Like, head just exploded. <laughs> they're going to be like, what? Like, just top of their head, just blow right off. Um, the defense attorneys, so the other evidence that was presented to the juries was similarly circumstantial. Defense attorneys failed to present more substantial evidence regarding the nature of the police investigation or the retraction of key testimony due to both their trial strategies and the judge's refusal to allow the evidence to be heard. At both trials, the juries determined that the defendants were guilty of the crimes that they were accused of. Miss Kelly and Baldwin were both sentenced to life in prison with an additional 40 years tacked on for Miss Kelly and Eccles was sentenced to death. Could you just actually They imagine? singled him. I mean, he was singled out. So it it did not surprise me that he was the one that was sentenced to death. Could you actually imagine though knowing you didn't do it? Could you actually imagine for that? Years. Being on death row like you're of a, all things. You're a kid so it doesn't really make sense to you maybe that first year or so but like you know you're 5 10 50 20 years in and you know you didn't do it and you're on death row yeah he would go 23 hours a day for almost 20 years straight with no sunlight to the point that his muscles atrophied he to this day has to wear sunglasses everywhere he goes his eyes have forever changed. It's it just the yeah. I mean, I'm. That's why I said this is this was hard. I hadn't watched that West of Memphis documentary in quite some time. I don't think I I don't think I actually had watched it till the you know till it originally aired and they were you know freed, quote unquote freed. Um, I broke down afterwards. It just hit me all at once, just how real it all was. And, um, you know, for years, the like time and energy, because I didn't think I would see, you know, I came in so late to the game, like two years before, and it was gaining traction and there was like all this stuff happening, but like, you know, nobody knew, nobody had any idea. I really thought, you know, like I was going to be following this till, Damien was executed and you know and then them then them finding out they executed an innocent person you know like something I really thought could you imagine that they that's, did that's how everybody thought it was going to be so God. you know so after the initial trials the West Memphis Three's defense teams attempted numerous appeals claiming trial misconduct presented new evidence and challenged rulings Challenged rulings against the inclusion of evidence that defense lawyers felt would be beneficial to their case. <clears throat> Outside of the courts, the case continued to fall apart. Vicki Hutchison claimed that she had committed perjury 
when she testified against the three and stated that the police had told her what to say. The foreman of the jury was also accused of misconduct after it came to light that during the trial he had discussed the case at length with his own attorney. The accusation of juror misconduct combined with new evidence showing that DNA found at the crime scene matched Terry Hobbs, Stevie Branch's stepfather, was eventually used to secure a new hearing. He also had no alibi. Or a different alibi every time I have a killing. Just want to throw that out there. Uh, the West Really? The West Memphis Three case has inspired numerous individuals to intervene on their behalf. Uh, like I mentioned before, Bruce Sanofsky and Joe Berlinger created the documentary about the West Memphis Three, Paradise Lost, The Child Murders at Robin Hood Hills, uh, which was released in 96, hoping to encourage the public to remain interested in the fate of the three convicted men and then the other sequels that followed. Burke Sauls, Kathy Bacon, and Grove Pashley, three friends from L.A., traveled to Arkansas to visit Eccles Baldwin and Miss Kelly in October of 96. Upon deciding that they believed the West Memphis Three to be innocent, the three friends created a website, Free the West Memphis Three, to inform the public, that's the one that I mentioned that is still up and running, to inform the public about the case as well as to ask for donations to help fund the defense team. Mara Leverett, an Arkansas reporter, as I mentioned before, wrote a book entitled Devil's Not, the True Story of the West Memphis Three, um, I can't remember the name of it, but later after he was released, Jason Baldwin actually wrote a sequel to that book. Um, I have not read her book, but that one has like trial transcripts in it. So if you're like one of those kind of law junkies, <laughs> that is a really great book to read about the case. Um, in response to a challenge made by state officials that a true, honest examination of the case would prove the guilt of the three defendants. After extensive research, Leverett concluded that the entire situation was a tragedy and a gross miscarriage of justice. Numerous celebrities agreed with her. Um, like I mentioned before, Eddie Vedder of the rock group Pearl Jam visited Eccles on death row and used his music and fame to spread the message that Eccles and others were innocent. Uh, Johnny Depp and Natalie Maines also lent their support. On November... <clears throat> On November 4th of 2010, after numerous failed appeals, the Arkansas Supreme Court ordered that a hearing take place in order to analyze new evidence that had the potential to exonerate the West Memphis Three. Preparations began immediately. Eccles hired a new defense team that includes Stephen Braga and Patrick ben Benka. Yeah. However, as the new lawyers worked to present their case at the hearing, they were dismayed to find the new evidence did not conclusively point to a different perpetrator. As for, was typical for this case, the evidence was only circumstantial. Braga and Benka, convinced that the West Memphis Three <clears throat> were innocent and deserved their freedom, decided to take a different approach. Benka had a working relationship with Arkansas Attorney General Dustin McDaniel. The two met to discuss the case. During that meeting, Benka asked McDaniel if his team would consider skipping the hearing in order to move straight to new trials. The judge Benka argued, the judge Benka argued would certainly grant new trials after considering the jury misconduct discovered years before. McDaniel agreed to discuss the idea with his team. <clears throat> As negotiations between the lawyers continued, Binka and Braga suggested that both sides agree to an Alford plea. With time served in order to avoid the risk to both sides that a new trial would bring. An Alford plea um, required that the three defendants plead guilty to a series of lesser charges while at the same time stating for the record that they were innocent and only pleading guilty because it was in their best interest. Both legal teams agreed that the plea would be acceptable provided that all three defendants were willing to cooperate. That reminds me of the end of uh, 
the exorcism of Emily Rose, mm -hmm. where they were like, that woman literally was like, you are guilty and you are free. Mm -hmm. Because it was just in his best interest at that point to just be yeah, the Alfred guilty. But... Plea is, is a pretty well known. It's not used all the time, but in cases like this, you know, um, Damien was weeks away from execution. Like he was going to die. They wanted him to die. Uh, so for nothing. Yeah. <clears throat> Despite this new, this hopeful new development. Benka and Brago were still concerned. Jason Baldwin, by this time in his late 30s, had the most to lose by accepting this plea. Untainted by false confession as Miss Kelly was, and without the threat of death row that Eccles faced, Baldwin was unsure that pleading guilty was the answer. However, after considering that Eccles' execution date was quickly approaching, Baldwin agreed to the legal maneuver in order to preserve Eccles' life. On, 19, on August 19, 2011, Judge Lasser, Laser approved the Alfred plea. Each of the defendants pleaded guilty while maintaining their innocence and were released on time served. After 18 years, one of Arkansas's most controversial murder cases came to a strange semi-permanent close. Benka suggested that the defense team would continue pursuing the West Memphis Three case by petitioning Governor Mike Beeb for pardons. However, Beeb suggested that these petitions would be unsuccessful. <clears throat> Despite the release of the West Memphis Three, the case remains unsolved and the legal conduct of both the prosecution and of the defense remain relatively unexamined. Prosecutors will not continue to investigate the murders of Stevie Branch, Chris Byers, and Michael Moore. Eccles, Miss Kelly, and Baldwin will not, receive comp will not receive compensation for the 18 years they spent in prison, and they may never be cleared of their crimes to which that they had to plead guilty. However, the case continues to inspire media attention in 2012 um like we mentioned and really urge everybody to watch this because tubi is 100 percent free uh the 2012 documentary west of memphis that was produced by peter jackson damian eccles and directed by amy berg um, that premiered at sundance film festival and then the movie adaptation of devil's knot that we mentioned with reese witherspoon um has been released um and Damien's book Life After Death uh like if you're more if you're more of like the true crime want to get like into the nitty-gritty of the case read the transcripts get Mara Leverett's book Devil's Knot I've skimmed through it but I have not read the whole thing but if you're wanting to get a real personal detailed of Damien's life how he grew up uh what he went through and just everything um, Life After Death is an amazing, it's an amazing book, especially if you're someone like me that's also into magic and um, esotericism, meditation, things like that. I mean, those type of things literally saved his life. They literally saved his life. Um, have a, having a higher ground and a higher spiritual and magic and just all of that, that saved him. So I, I, I personally highly recommend Life After Death. It's an amazing book. In July 2021, it was revealed, pursuant to a request by Eccles' attorneys for access to evidence from the crime scene for purposes of conducting new DNA testing, that the physical evidence relating to the three murder victims had been lost, misplaced, or destroyed by fire. So that was um, actually come to find out later that was a complete lie. Um the West Memphis police said that there was evidence 
years ago that was destroyed that ultimately now we know wasn't. Um, so this was from a, a local news article, uh, KAIT8 in uh, West Memphis, Tennessee, or West Memphis, Arkansas, rather, um, that was released December 21st of last year that um, not a single piece of evidence ever connected the West Memphis Three, Damian Eccles, Jason Baldwin, and Jesse Miss Kelly to the 1993 murders of Stevie Branch, Chris Byers, and Michael Moore. Eccles' attorneys finally got access to the evidence that they believe can exonerate all three men. Eccles' legal team says it took a court order from the state to see the evidence at the West Memphis Police Department. They say the evidence is in good shape and well-documented. We, we're shocked that it's taken 18 months, said Lonnie Sowery, spokesperson for Eccles' legal team. Sowery says that they've spent the pandemic fighting for justice for Eccles, Baldwin, and Miss Kelly. We were told that the evidence had been destroyed in a fire, and then lo and behold, we get to the West Memphis Police Department today, and all the evidence is cataloged, and there, intact, nothing was destroyed. Eccles tweeted, it can be tested to see who left DNA at the crime scene. My attorney was in the evidence room and saw it with his own eyes. Every piece is still there. He found what we were looking for, the ligatures that bound the children, the sneaker ligatures in which Terry Hobbs' DNA was found in, Sowery said. Hobbs was Branch's stepfather. Earlier this year, he told Action News 5 that he welcomes new DNA testing. Cool, sure. hmm. The bodies of Branch, Byers, and more were found in a drainage ditch. In West Memphis, May 6th of 1993 and 94, Eccles, Baldwin, and Miss Kelly. Well, we went over that already. <laughs> um, West Memphis Mayor Marco McClendon says neither he nor the police chief, Michael Pope, were the reason for the delay in getting access to the evidence. I have no vested interest in trying to withhold any evidence from anyone on either side. We want to make sure that they get to the bottom of whatever they're trying to figure out, said McClendon. What a great answer. The next step is getting the evidence tested using new DNA technology called MVAC. And now we're hoping that the development, uh, Sowery said, will lead to the real killers and uh, the exoneration of the West Memphis Three. Eccles' team wants the evidence tested by a private forensic DNA lab in California. So hopefully um, sometime this year or in the next coming years, we will be getting some more information regarding that. Um, but yeah, um, just real quick, if... So if people want to know how, so we mentioned Chris Byers' father or stepfather, rather, John uh, Mark Byers kind of getting the finger pointed at him originally and then, you know, ultimately everything being dismissed and, you know, that just being, you know, subsequent one of those things, the man had every right to be angry, obviously. Where Terry Hobbs came into play, especially if you watch the West of Memphis doc West of Memphis documentary specifically, was not only the DNA evidence found. I mean, okay, that was his stepson, but in the ligature ties, I don't know about that. Um, not only the evidence that was found, but the fact that his own um his own account of his whereabouts that night and what he did were just all over the place. He had no viable alibi. His alibi just completely fell apart. Um, also, it should be mentioned that the reason why his name even got brought up besides the evidence that was being conducted and looked into by Eccles, you know, we mentioned Braga and Binka in the article, his legal team uh, at the time, uh, finding this new evidence. Um, 
essentially what happened was that Natalie Maines, the lead singer of the Dixie Chicks, had made um, some comments about the case and had publicly stated that there was this uh, hair that was found within the ligature marks that did match Terry Hobbs. It was it had been DNA tested. Now, it was not consented that Terry Hobbs. So you're able to get anybody like the police can just get anybody's DNA. But like you have to consent to that DNA being used in a court of law. And Terry Hobbs refuses to do that because they got his DNA. They got it from a cigarette butt. Like he let them in his home. They have his DNA. So he just he has just never consented to any of it be used at trial because this stuff came back that it was found, you know, it was found in the ligature mark. And all of a sudden it's like, uh-oh. So when Natalie Maines made that comment, he sued her. He sued Natalie Maines. <laughs> I don't know if he thought that, you know, I'm going to sue the Dixie Chicks. I'm going to make all this money. But pursuant to a civil trial like that, now you you give yourself up to being asked all these questions. So basically he kind of, he shot himself in the foot by bringing on this lawsuit and thinking it was going to be in his favor because now he's opened himself up to this line of questioning that well you know what he saw he, he saw money signs oh That's yeah yeah he saw. oh he did Dixie chicks oh my god he didn't get, think about the ends of outs. you know yeah, that he, he would have to be asked like why you know why were you here why did you say you were here but you were really here why was there like a half an hour span of time where nobody knew where you were why would you know like He's having to be questioned about he's having to be questioned about attacking a neighbor at one point. Um, an old lady that lived next door that heard him beating Pamela and she tried to intervene and he cussed her out and then later broke into that woman's apartment and attacked her. You know, um, Terry I just mean, sounds like a great guy. I this guy I has, really this think... guy has a history. This guy's got well, listen, innocent until proven guilty. All mm -hmm. right. We don't know. Okay, no. we have no idea. It's all speculation. But, you know, Terry Hobbs isn't a great guy. Did he murder three little boys? We don't know that. But he's not a good guy. Let's just let's just throw that out there. Throw that throw that out on the table. Um so, you know, um really that so that's that's essentially why his name came into play is because he's he's had to be he basically put himself under more scrutiny by pursuing this lawsuit that subjected him to all this line of questioning that really didn't do him any favors you know it's you know it's nobody wants to point the finger but at the end of the day evidence is evidence is evidence and no evidence whatsoever in over 20 freaking years i mean guys this case next year will be this 30. has been 30 years mm -hmm. 30 years that Chris Byer, Stevie Branch, and Michael Moore were brutally murdered. 30 years. And we still don't know. So at the end of the day, I don't, you know, who, if it was Terry Hobbs and it was Terry Hobbs, if it was the cat in the hat, it was the cat in the fucking hat. If the evidence points to whoever fucking did it, that's who needs to be brought up on trial that's who needs a jury. That's that's who we need to be looking at. You know, we want to solve this case. People, we need. You know, this is just cases like this happen all the fucking time. But just, you know, it just so happened that this one 
really to save Damien Eccles' life was brought to the forefront. But, you know, like we said, at the end of the day, because I just, I just want to keep pushing their names out there, because I also feel like a lot of times, even with these documentaries being made, because ultimately it's awful, uh, 18 years ripped away from you, that's, that's a death in, in, in and of itself. That's, you died for 18 years, as far as I'm concerned. That's how I... That's how I feel. And what really fucking Jason, sucks, uh, Jesse and Damian went through. And what really fucking sucks is the one who did it still there, out there. Got, yep, just gotten away with it. Stevie Branch, Chris Byers, and Michael Moore's murderer is still out there. And if there is any evidence pointing to anyone, uh, we need to find who did it. That that needs to be solved. You know, if the West Memphis Police Department don't care, if the state of Arkansas doesn't care, at the end of the day, there are still families out there who care you know michael moore's parents pamela hobbs you know i'm sure that chris byer still has family of his mother and father there are families of these boys you know he had a sister these there's families of these boys that would love to know who took their lives and have actual justice you know there's it's a it's about a piece there's there's no peace to this every time it's brought back up every time these type of things happen every time it's in the media. This is a constant reminder to these families that nobody knows yet who murdered them. So um, one could only hope, you know, like we mentioned, this was just last December that that article was released about the new evidence. There's still being stuff released about the new evidence. Um, so let's just hope, you know, we need to exonerate three innocent men and we need to bring justice to three innocent little boys um and again the west memphis westmemphis3.org is still an active website if anybody does have any information regarding the case itself um so yeah um highly recommend watching the paradise lost documentaries if you have hbo max if not uh the to be west of memphis documentary is free and is great and very informative the Devil's Not movie with Reese Witherspoon is wonderful to watch. The book, if you're a true crime junkie, is amazing. Life After Death, I can attest because I read it, is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful book. Um, Damien also did an episode of Duncan Trussell's podcast if you're interested in learning more about the magic that he is into. Um, and just learning about him as a person. He doesn't discuss... What I loved so much about that podcast episode, I was telling my husband, because he's a big Duncan Trussell fan, is that Duncan, to his respect, God love him, didn't ask him one thing about that case. He just talked about his cats and the time he, you know, he lived in Salem and New York for a while and... That's all and anybody which, ever and, wants... And magic and... That's and, all anybody wants to talk about is their cats and witches. And magic. magic and witches. That's it. Cats and magic. That's all I want. You know, life. and again, 18 years of his, his book was titled Life After Death. Who wants to talk about that 18-year death? He's living now. He talked about it. He, that was probably his therapy, was writing that book. Yeah. Honestly, I'd say that was a big part of his therapy, was that book. And the fact that they're not getting any financial compensation. And not even like that is actually, you know worth a shit but it I mean, is when you have nothing i'll admit it part of the reason why i bought the book i knew that money would go to him because <laughs> they can't they, there's no that's they so have fucking to, that's, awful i mean i i did want to read the book yes but i knew buying the book meant that that money would go to him 
so that it could help him and his wife, you know, just live a normal life like regular people. What? If that's living a normal life. If like that's re- even, of course, right now he's. If that's even alive. If, how, if do, allowed, how do you I should say? If that's how do you allowed. feel about gas prices? Oh my god, <laughs> Mister Damien. Like, hopefully, you're not having to drive anywhere because it sucks and it's terrible and it's a great time. It's literally a crime. Like, it's just no. Um, so just to mention real quick to everybody what they are up to at this point. Um, like I mentioned, Damian Eccles is married to Lori Davis. If you did watch the West of Memphis documentary, you did see Lori quite a bit. She was really, really, really involved with the case a lot. And, um, just getting a lot of people involved, even the celebrities involved, to garner more attention to the case. Um, Jesse Miss Kelly does still live in the West Memphis area. He did move back with his family. Um, the last I read, he got married, uh, and I think is is a car mechanic or do it. I think because that was something similar to what his dad did, so something to that nature. Um, Jason Baldwin uh, married his best friend. If you if you remember Holly from the documentary that said they were they they got married, which I Precious. I knew when I saw the documentary that was gonna happen. Well, yeah, you could see the way they were looking at each other. That's I was precious. like, they're in love. Like that's gonna happen. Um, and just seeing him smile when he was eating salad. He's I like, okay, I'm done with salad. <laughs> He's eating French fries and. He still looks so much like that little 17-year-old boy that you saw, you know, with the curly mullet in the first documentary. Oh, that curly mullet. And now he's this grown man that's balding. And and he just, you know, I followed him on Instagram for a long time and just talked about, like, driving for the first time and just having a suitcase for the first time and just little, you know, cause he grew up very poor and then you're in prison for most of your life or half your life at that point. And, uh, so he is actually working with, um, the innocence project and he basically has his own, um, uh, Oh God, what do you call it? His own like organization that's similar to the innocence project. Um, that I think primarily actually focuses on working with um, mostly inmates that are people that have actually been uh, released, like trying to just like, um, if you were found innocent and released, like basically trying to get your life back together and, and that kind of thing. So um you know, they're, they're living their lives, you know, just trying to piece the last few years back together after being released. And, uh, I am, I was just overjoyed when I found out about the new information, um, and the evidence that was found and, oh, look at there. It's not damaged. It's just sitting there. Um, so Let's hope that we get um, a new trial soon or that something happens because, uh, yeah, you know, we owe it. We, we owe it to everybody involved. There were a lot of lives destroyed back in May of 1993. So, um, yeah. And just uh, at the end of the day, that's this this podcast is really for those three boys. 
Yep. So justice one for them. One can only hope that you know justice for them. Exactly. Well, I didn't have anything else if you didn't. I hope you guys, um, you know, of course, we hate to say enjoyed because these are never enjoyable when you have to talk about stuff like this. But um, at the end of the day, informative. And I think most people like Casper knew about the case, but maybe didn't know about it as in depth as I did. And, you know, if you really didn't know a lot about it, hopefully you learned quite a bit. And like I said, please read the books and watch the documentaries. Um and then if you were familiar with the case or had followed the case like I have, I hope we did it justice. Um, and uh, I hope we gave about as much information as we could squeeze into about an hour without overloading. <laughs> right. You know, just kind of given, you know, just the facts. We're just kind of giving you the facts and then. Yeah, because we really didn't, like we had said in the beginning, we really didn't want to beat a dead horse or go into no. full details. with Because it's just, it's it's a lot. And there's enough information out there, and you can watch at your leisure. Leisure. All right. All right, guys. Well, um, next week's going to be a lot more of a fun episode. Definitely more of a fun episode. Um, if you guys remember, <laughs> good Lord, it was honestly probably the first year we started the podcast. Uh, we had a gentleman on by the name of Tony Wash. He was the director of a movie called Skeletons in the Closet. Uh, one of the best horror anthologies I've ever seen. Honestly, it's to this day one of my favorites. Um, he also did a movie called The Rake. He has been involved with Bloody Disgusting on a film horror film series called um, Bloody Bites, which is basically horror shorts. Horror short films that are like 20 to 30 minutes each. Um... And he's been involved in a lot of them. And we are going to talk to him about those next week. Uh, we'll probably, like, say a little mention to Skeletons in the Closet and The Rake. Um, but we are going to focus more on the bloody disgusting little horror shorts that he's been doing. Um, and we're really excited to talk about those. I'm excited to talk about that, too, because, like, I, I love a good horror short film. So I... Listen, there are there's a lot of movies, mm -hmm. like a lot of really really great movies that were made um, from shorts, or even incredible film directors that start Ari Aster that started off with film shorts that went on to make some incredible movies. I mean, uh, shit. I think the best example is Saw. I mean, and the yeah, the short that didn't James Wan make that short. Or did he not? Was it him or was it... Uh... No, the guy who was in... I'm sorry. Adam. Um, yeah, I... Him. The guy who's actually in Saw. Didn't he do the short? <laughs> yeah, but what's it... Yeah, but what's his name? Hold it's, on. It's Adam. I swear it's Adam something. This is awful. Uh, Lee Winnell. Lee... Why did I think Adam... Oh, because he his plays name? Adam. Adam. Okay. I was like... He plays Adam. Why do I keep why where did Adam come from? He plays from? Adam. Yeah, one of those one of those uh Australians that totally fucked me up when I heard him really talk. I was like, what? Right? Huh? Huh? He will always lovingly be specs to me. Yeah. Cause I know some people hate those movies, but I love specs. And he so, so he well. made that saw short film and now look 
Yeah, because it was uh, so, it was the uh, the puppet essentially. Mm-hmm. That little little guy. Jigsaw. Oh, after Excuse making me. okay, here we go. While in film school, Lee met James. Okay, so I know this story. Together, they the two wrote a script for what would become Saw. After making a short film in 2003 to showcase the intensity of the Saw script, the feature film version directed by Juan was made in 2004 and became a low-budget sleeper hit. So, yeah. That, uh... That was it. And to be so honest with you, what's incredible is that I love that they say it's a low-budget. Saw was one of the best horror films ever made. I mean... Hands down. <laughs> the first one. And in particular, the first one. The other ones are fine. Like, I can't believe we're actually about to get another one. Like, can we just fucking... Oh, they really are, aren't they? It's John's backstory, isn't it? A prequel, but isn't it? Why? I didn't even know that. Mm. I didn't know that. It's Saw 9? I had no idea. Is it 9 or 10? I think it's movie. Saw X is what they have, which is funny because Jigsaw was actually 8. So are we just skipping nine? Jigsaw rumored for exciting return in Saw 10. There was no Saw 9, though. <laughs> was there no Saw 9? No, oh, it was just Jigsaw. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Jigsaw 10. Like, where's nine? Okay. So, I... Stop. Just... I don't... Also, I'm kind of. I don't know. I, I don't know if you have you seen the the poster that someone the not the real poster. I feel like I'm gonna watch it, but I don't. Well, of course, like you know, because did I ask for this? No. Am I gonna watch it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, because it's what we do. It's exactly what we do. <laughs> we complain about it, but we watch it anyway. Oh, we're gonna watch it. <laughs> did you see the the fan poster that somebody made for Scream Six? Yes. Because it's a mock of Jason Takes Manhattan. Because yeah. it's gonna be in New York. Yeah, I you know, and just a lot of the stuff I've been hearing about with um Nev, I don't know. I'm gonna be honest, I'm not excited about that. At all. I was really excited that Kirby was coming back until Nev's not gonna be a part of it and Nev is scream. Well, so. it's just the the bullshit surrounding her, you know, I've just been, I've been hearing stuff about, like, you know. Just well, I've been shit. reading a lot of Matthew and uh, Jamie. Both of them are like, this is bullshit. She deserves to be paid more. Well, like, I mean, listen, she's the whole, she's the whole franchise. She's the whole franchise. She is the face of Scream. She I don't the care. Face of Scream. She is Scream. Yes. Like, I don't know what I don't know what to tell you. She's carried that film series on her back for twenty five fucking years. Yeah. So I don't know. Am I gonna watch it? Yeah, but I'm not excited about it anymore. Honestly, not as much. I am excited about Kirby's return, but I don't like that Nev's not in it. I just don't. Yeah, and like I said, just the circumstances around And the reason like why, exactly. I yeah. Don't like that, and so. you know they have enough money. Are you fucking kidding me? Scream 5 made so much fucking money. Don't fucking sit there and tell well, me. Well, and people can't tell me that one of the biggest reasons. I was happy to see her back in it. I'm 
I'm telling you, that was one of my biggest fucking reasons for seeing it yeah. again. Was I was like, oh, she's in it. Okay. You know, like. Like they announced Courtney Cox and they announced, pa- pa- uh, what's his name? David Arquette. David Arquette, yeah. And course. I was like, but until they t- announce me, Nev, I will not see it. Yeah. No. And then they announced her, and I was like, well, duh. Yeah, if you're a fan, if you're fans like we are of the original series, there's no, yeah, she's, Sydney Prescott is Scream. So, you know, that was like, what, okay, you're going to do another Halloween movie and not have fucking Jamie Lee Curtis in it? Like, what? That wasn't going to fucking happen. Because tell me, you cannot sit here and They've had other Halloween series that didn't have her in it. Fine. But if they were going right. to do it all these years later, you motherfucking better put Laurie Strode in it. We're not doing this shit again. And you can't tell me that wasn't the reason that pulled people in. Immediately. Was her. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't going to see it. As soon as I was like, uh, what? I was like, there's another Halloween movie. Wait. Until she posted, I remember it. Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. Her done Facebook page. Yeah, she was standing with her what she looks like now with her short hair, and Michael was behind her. Yeah, and I was like, I lost my mind. Hold up, I said, okay, well, that's fine. Hold up, how many are you making? I will be seeing all of them. Oh, you're making seventeen. I will. Oh, okay, I, great. Okay. I have time. <laughs> I will make time. I have time. It's wonderful. I mean, I was. Yeah, there was no way you can't when you have the face of the franchise. You can't do without it. So, you know. And a lot of people are coming back with, well, Nightmare survived without Nancy. No, it didn't. Mm. Let me stop you right now because you can't sit there and tell me that the best three Nightmare films. The first one, the third one, and New Nightmare. And guess who was in all of them? I'm telling you right now, Nancy was the face of Nightmare. Those are my favorite three. Those are my favorite three. Doubt. Dream. Uh, what's the fourth one? Dare called? I, Dare I say Dream Warriors? The third one is like my ultimate favorite. It and is I, actually amazing. Because I mean, the first one's great, and like obviously you can't have the first. You have to have the first one before. You, but Dream. Oh my god. Dream that Warriors movie is amazing. Is just. It's honestly my favorite. Oh. But it's that's just the funny. one of the series I could literally watch. I'm hearing over a lot of people say that. They're like, well, will Freddy survive without Nancy? And I'm like, did it though? Did it? Was Nightmare 4 and 5 good? No? Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> I The motorcycle and the cockroach. That's it. That's all I'm going to give them. That's all I'm going to give four and five. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's the only, those are the only two things. That's it. That's all I'm giving them. That's actually not a bad idea for a, a podcast episode. Would a franchise survive without the main? Yes. That's not a bad idea. Mean, especially those franchises that have that, like Halloween. Alien. Alien. Yeah. I mean, they had no choice but to bring, you had to bring Sigourney Weaver, like they had to bring Ripley back at some point, or and then now what they were trying to do with the Prometheus movie, you, there's like, and then there's like some reiteration of Ripley. But you know what I want? I want a Leprechaun. I want Leprechaun to come back, and I want Jennifer Aniston in it. That's what I want. No, Warwick Davis is working on Willow right now, and that's all that matters. <laughs> I need him back too. Obviously. That's all that matters. But I meant like main character. I'm gonna need Warwick Davis and Jennifer Aniston. Thank you. I don't want another Leprechaun. I really don't either. I was completely joking. That was not real. 
I was 100% joking. Please, Please don't. No. Everybody watch Willow, though. It's, I love I'm Willow. so excited. I saw the trailer. I was like, oh my God. I love the original movie. So Listen. I. Listen. <laughs> the original movie is like everything to me. And I mean, I, I already had a huge crush on Val Kilmer by then anyway. And then he had long hair, and I was like, and the muscles, and I was like, hello, Val Kilmer. And I love that man. Came this close to meeting him, but it's all right. Also, in case anybody's wondering <laughs> if you missed Christina Ricci at uh, Horror Hound back oh, in 2019, yeah. she's going to be at Cincinnati Comic Expo. This year, yes, she is. The end this of September. Year. And to be honest with you, if you can make it to it, I would, because seeing her around these parts is not common. No. I might. We'll see what the... If I don't have to sell a kidney. Um, we'll see what the situation... <laughs> on the black market... Uh, we'll see what the situation is like uh, money Yeah, because I paid... Cause, yeah. Let me think about it. Because I got a picture at the table and an autograph and a photo op. Because she was my main attraction. So I was like, here, take my savings. Right. Um, I take everything. I'm pretty sure the autograph with the picture at the table together was 100. If I'm not mistaken. It was either 100, and, it was either 100 or 110 for both. I am more than likely not going to get an autograph, but I definitely have to have a picture with her. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think I dropped $200 on her. Because the the um, the photo op was around 90 to 100 I want a photo op, So too. I'm pretty sure I dropped about $200 Depending on, her. on It's one of those things, like, I would only go for her. Like, I don't give a fuck right. about anybody else that's there. I wouldn't mind meeting but, McKenna, McKenna Grace. Grace. I know. I, that kind of, and honestly, that might change if, because this weekend my husband's like, we should watch, we should watch the new Ghostbusters movie, because we still haven't fucking seen it yet. Same. And I'm, I'm I actually really I'm like afraid, I'm afraid Grace. now that, like, after I watch it, I'm going to be like, I have to okay, now I have to meet her. Also, I'll have to be like, um, this is the closest I'm probably going to get to fear, Patrick. So just stand here, child, and let me just... Also, don't forget <laughs> Brie Larson. Oh, that's right. Wait, is she going to be... Oh, no, she... Yeah, that's... Little... No, Brie... If little Brie... Brie... Listen, Listen, if Brie, if Brie Larson... Larson yeah, would... No, I'm sorry. If Brie Larson was going to Cincinnati Comic Expo, I yeah, would make... Selling, I would make I'm selling my car. I would do I would... whatever. I would... I would yeah. sell my asshole on the internet. Yeah, Listen, anything. I will... I will... Um... Feet pics? You want feet pics? Here you go. Um... I will put a hat on my ass and sell them on the internet. You're like... And call Brie... it Farmer's You're Choice. Like, Listen, Brie I... Larson. I can't... <laughs> Y'all don't understand. Y'all don't understand. What I'm going to need them to do is bring Brie Larson and Tessa Thompson together and then do a photo op with them together because my little gay heart needs that. That's all I need. That's all I need. I know. Those are the ones that never get that close. We'd have to, like, they get as close as, like, Michigan. Some of them not even there. Some of Chicago. You got to go to that Wizard World. Is it Wizard World? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going, no. No offense to Chicago, but just no. If <laughs> Pennsylvania ever gets Tom Hiddleston again, okay, I'm, I'm gonna think about that. it. That I'm gonna think about maybe. it. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I'll think about it. Yeah, I've just heard no, but um, I've just heard too much about Chicago traffic, and my sanity means more to me. <laughs> Not only are you gonna deal with the traffic, but you're gonna drop like five hundred dollars. Like on somebody, my sanity so. means more to me than a lot of the yeah. So yeah. 
And I will only spend that kind of money for very, very, very certain people. And to be honest, I don't think Brie Larson would be one of them. As much as I love her, I don't think I could drop $500 on her. But I could Ooh. on Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, you like Tom Hiddleston? <laughs> I could on Kate Blanchett. Well, I mean, Kate Blanchett. Have you seen Kate Blanchett? Like, I mean, it's... My queen. Anyway, all right, guys. So, um, I believe you can actually check out Bloody Bites on uh, Amazon if you have a premium subscription. Also, I believe it's free. Hello. It is free on Pluto TV. Um... It's on YouTube Premium subscription and Amazon. I know, um... Is Pluto a free app? I've never... Like, I've never actually tried it. I think I have Pluto on this. I like, actually I have think it on my I, do. I have it on both TVs, um, but I've never... But... Used it. Um, I don't know if it's completely free, but... Apparently hey, it's but on... if you got it, Bloody Bites, to support Tony... Um, if you don't, it. then you can just chill out with us next week and listen to us talk yeah. about some horror stuff. And well, you know, obviously like having him on, you know, it's not formal. You know, it's not only going to be about that. We go off and talk about random shit too. So yeah, it'll be a fun also, time. Also like, you know, we mentioned if you guys have not seen Skeletons in the Closet or listened to our previous episode, you can go back and check. And definitely well. watch Skeletons in the Closet because like I said, it is series. one of my top five uh, horror anthologies ever. Yeah. It was Same. extremely well done. For sure. I agree. All right, my dudes. Well, you know, we have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at DFWTO Podcast. Handle is DFWTO8811. We are on Fate or Holo. We are on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Please subscribe so you know when we put out new episodes. And please go buy our merch. We have the link tree on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All you got to do is click that link and it will say pod merch and you just click on podcast merch and it takes you right to the page. We have three different shirts. We have a tote bag and we have stickers and something else. Shirt, stickers, tote bags. Mugs? Mugs. Thank Mugs. you. I was like, what am I forgetting? I'm forgetting something. <laughs> Buy our merch. Buy our merch. Um, And last but not least, if you have any questions, concerns, I want to say, hey, we have an email. DFWTO8493 at gmail.com. All right, my dudes. That should be everything. Stay cool in this fucking awful shit. Yeah, heat. if you're dealing with it like a lot of the country. Yes. <laughs> Why we have Texas temperatures, I don't understand. But, um... Yes. Yeah. So, anyway. Stay cool. Yes. In both meanings of the word, stay cool. Yes. And you guys have a wonderful week. And remember, don't, don't fuck, fuck with the original, original, as Sydney says. Hey, bye. Yep. <laughs>